The COVID-related death toll on Friday reached a new high with 213 deaths, making the fatality rate for the virus 11.04 per 10,000. There were also 553 additional COVID cases with moderate to severe symptoms. Among them was a six-year-old girl who developed multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, or MISC. She tested positive for COVID in early May, but at the time, she only had a mild cough. By the end of May, she had a fever and was diagnosed with MISC. She is currently being treated in an intensive care unit. Doctors are once again reminding parents to pay particular attention to their kids' symptoms. With this MISC patient, aside from this kind of fever, her eyes were usually bloodshot. Actually, it is very similar to Kawasaki disease, which we saw earlier. It's the same kind of red eyes. The second symptom that patients can easily see is a bodily rash. The third is that kids sometimes have gastrointestinal symptoms. In addition, the child, a confirmed COVID case, was considered a possible MISC case during the second to sixth week of her recovery from coronavirus, so special attention was needed. Friday saw over 68,000 new COVID cases overall. Only Taichung at 10,032 has broken the 10,000 mark. Numbers in Kaohsiung dropped to 9,864, while New Taipei stood at 8,858. CECC Commander Chen Shizhong said the current figures don't deviate much from the CECC's forecasts. He noted that COVID cases are dropping in the three main cities in Taiwan's north, but are plateauing in Taichung, Tainan and Kaohsiung. While COVID case numbers have plateaued in much of Taiwan, they are even declining in the north. However, COVID-related deaths are still high, causing concern for some doctors. They say that diagnoses or treatment may be taking place too late, while they also question whether the delivery of medication and services to those who are most vulnerable is sufficiently timely. Let's hear from the experts. Despite a decline in local COVID case numbers, the number of deaths from the disease remains high. Taiwan's COVID death toll has doubled in just 13 days, whereas using similar metrics, it took New Zealand 48 days and South Korea and Hong Kong 80. Even more worrying, Taiwan's COVID death toll is now second highest in the world. In 46% of all fatalities, the patient died within three days of contracting the disease. Doctors say the situation is cause for concern. The time between testing positive and death is quite short. This means they might be getting diagnosed too late or that after the diagnosis they are not able to get to medicine quick enough. In terms of hospital treatments, is there some aspect of that process that we need to re-examine? When hospital staff treat patients, they normally avoid contact as much as possible. However, in that situation, you need to very carefully monitor the patient's condition. As of May 26, there were roughly 800 COVID deaths this year in Taiwan, a rate of 5.25 per 10,000 cases. Two days later, the number rose above 1,000, and every four days after that marked roughly 500 more deaths. As of June 9th, Taiwan had recorded 2,700 COVID deaths for the year, a rate of 10.56 per 10,000 cases. 
That number has already exceeded the 10 per 10,000 rate that Health Minister Chen Shih-chung set as an amber light. Physicians believe contributing factors include the speed of diagnosis and drug administration, coupled with the number of comorbidities among confirmed patients and a possible lack of awareness of their infections. The epidemic has spread from the north to central and southern parts of the country, and that impacts where the patients can get their prescriptions. In areas of central and southern Taiwan, there may be some administrative difficulties. Old people may be at home with nobody to care for them. And so there is nobody to go pick up medication on their behalf. If things like prescription pickups by proxy and video call consultations with doctors aren't available to everyone, then we are going to see an increase in the mortality rate. Omicron is spreading rapidly and new variants of the virus may be waiting to come through the border. In the UK, the BA5 subvariant is spreading at 10 times the rate of previous subvariants. From the first subvariant of Omicron, BA1, up to this latest generation, BA5, the virus has been developing in a way that's becoming more transmissible. With new subvariants of Omicron emerging, doctors are worried COVID will continue to spread quickly, which will have the greatest impact on those who are already ill or vulnerable. One doctor says care and medication distribution systems must become more equitable to prevent the death toll from growing. With COVID-related deaths among kids in focus on the news lately, doctors and the government have been on an all-out campaign to vaccinate younger children. Vaccination centers have been set up in all of Taiwan's major municipalities for a week now. Doctors say the campaign has borne fruit and that the COVID vaccine coverage rate among children aged 5 to 11 has greatly expanded. Together with kids who have had COVID and developed immunity, they number 78 percent. Doctors urge parents to put aside concerns over potential side effects of vaccination. In the six special municipalities, seven vaccination centers were busy inoculating children over the recent Dragon Boat Festival long weekend. The results of their efforts are now apparent. Among children aged 5 to 11, 78.2% of them have been either vaccinated or have had the illness and developed immunity, doctors say. Compared with other countries, Taiwan has taken the lead in vaccinating children. In many countries and municipalities, the rate has reached between 60% and 70%, or between 70% and 80%. It is rare to see such a high rate. The rate of vaccination among children in many countries is still just around 20 to 30 percent. In Taiwan, the children's vaccination rate has already far exceeded 60 percent and the community rate is near 80 percent. If you add this all up, our performance is better than in other countries. Doctors say the benefits of vaccinating children outweigh any potential harm. President Tsai Ing-wen has also reminded the public to vaccinate children as an important added layer of protection. The safety of children and the care of those who become infected, these are things that all of Taiwanese society is concerned about at present. Each child is precious to their parents, and whenever children encounter difficulties, it is always their parents who are most concerned. Let's continue to work hard together to overcome the challenges of this pandemic. Optimistic after seeing the high rates of vaccination among children, one doctor urged parents not to be overly worried about the risks of vaccines.
In the past, people were very concerned about the possible onset of myocarditis following vaccination. In fact, there were reports of myocarditis as a side effect of COVID vaccines, but those cases were mainly teenagers. It is rarer in young children. The CECC and medical staff are putting their all into raising the vaccination rate among kids with the hope of overcoming the pandemic's threat to children as soon as possible. The claw machine arcade, it's been a familiar sight on Taiwan streets for years. But you might have noticed more and more arcades popping up since the pandemic began. That's because other stores have been shutting down in droves. Economists say the boom in arcades is a sign of a sluggish economy. We spoke to real estate experts and arcade owners to find out more. The Claw Machine Arcade is hailed as the savior of the post-COVID shopping district. Recently, many commercial districts have seen stores shut in droves. But as stores close down, the arcades move in. This year, Taiwan hit a new record high with 10,000 claw machine arcades in operation. This wave of vacancies is quite brutal for commercial renting. So some commercial properties have already bowed out of the market. Of course, landlords don't want to lose too much of their rent. So if there are new commercial tenants, they're willing to reduce prices a bit to get it let. Commercial districts are littered with to-let signs after the withdrawal of many businesses. Landlords may choose to drop the rent and get an arcade in rather than let the property stand vacant. Arcades have fewer utilities and labor overheads than many normal stores and can set up shop easily. They've become a tenant of choice for many landlords. But this arcade owner, who runs three arcades in Taipei's Ximending, says that it's hard to survive in Taiwan's now quiet shopping centers. Profits have fallen a lot, by 60% or 70%. Lots of other arcade owners have decided not to renew contracts when they expire, because business is terrible right now with the pandemic. Ximen has been quite reliant on international tourism for a long time, so the price of the rent is not the problem. The issue is the crowds aren't there anymore. This commercial real estate expert says that high rents and thin crowds are a double whammy for the sector. With all international tourism still forbidden, spots that were once popular with visitors from abroad are now in crisis. But most arcades are still to be found in spots beloved by locals, night markets and local shopping districts. They're a sign the sector is still in the doldrums. Apple Online, the sister website of Hong Kong's now defunct Apple Daily, has said in a statement that it has found a buyer and that it will continue to operate under new management. However, reports say the buyers are Joseph Fua, a Singaporean entrepreneur who co-founded 17 Live, a global live streaming platform, and Kenny Wee, a Hong Kong entrepreneur. Already, the pro-independence New Power Party is concerned that Chinese capital may be indirectly involved in the reported deal, while DPP lawmakers are calling for both the Economics Ministry and Investment Commission to exercise strict scrutiny. Meanwhile, the founder of the original Apple Daily newspaper, Jimmy Lai, who is a harsh critic of Beijing, has been imprisoned in Hong Kong on charges of breaking security laws. 
Chen Jiaohua, the chairman of the pro-independence New Power Party, is demanding action from the nation's national security agencies after Taiwan's Apple Online released a statement saying it has found a buyer, triggering widespread concerns from the public that Chinese capital may be indirectly involved in the deal. All fields involved with our nation frequently attract Chinese capital and the penetration of Chinese capital is severe. Using the media to sow social divisions is China's cheapest and easiest strategy. Reports say Apple Online's new boss is Singaporean entrepreneur Joseph Hua. In addition to a founded 17 Live, a global live social entertainment platform, he's also acquired Sound On, the largest podcast platform in Taiwan. But the most controversial person involved in the deal is Apple Online's other reported buyer, Hong Kong businessman Kenny Wee. He is believed to have had his eye on Next Media for years. There have been suspicions in Taiwan that a Chinese firm indirectly holds 30% of the equity of a company that is behind Wee's business operations. If media speculation turns out to be true, the two will join forces to splash 1.5 billion NT on Apple Online. DPP legislators are urging Taiwan's Investment Commission and the Ministry of Economic Affairs to scrutinise the reported deal carefully. Taiwan is a country with the rule of law. Apple Daily is a Hong Kong invested subsidiary, so any change in management must be in accordance with Taiwanese regulations. But I asked the Ministry of Economic Affairs, who is the real buyer? Taiwan has not been notified. So I asked the buyer, have you ever gone to prison and had a chat about this takeover with Jimmy Lai? I'm demanding that the Ministry of Economic Affairs or national security agencies thoroughly scrutinize this deal. There have been many mass layoffs since 2020 and the employees have mixed feelings. The current stance of our union is to view this reported development optimistically and we hope the new managers can keep all the remaining staff on. Apple Daily's union could not confirm if Apple Online's new owners are indeed Kenny Wee and Joseph Hua. They can only hope that they can keep their jobs. However, other reports say there could be a wave of mass layoffs in August, and it's actually unknown if Apple Online will be able to keep on going in Taiwan. The most recent data from the government statistics agency for the first quarter of the year shows that real average monthly salary stood at 41,605 NT, a decrease of 0.23% year-on-year when the price of goods was taken into account. This was the first report of negative growth in household income in six years and also a sign of the impact of growing inflation. The average salary had actually grown in the quarter, reaching 44,255 NT, an annual growth of 2.72%. With annual bonuses and stipends added into the calculation, the average monthly salary hit 64,561 NT in a year-on-year increase of 2.99%. However, the decline in real household income over the quarter shows that the growth of income was not keeping pace with inflation. Recently, Taiwan has seen a flurry of visiting European delegations, and they appear to be welcome despite a couple of gaffes. Members of a Slovakian delegation on Thursday performed a skit of a brawl in the legislature, polarizing Taiwanese into sharp approval or disapproval. Then today, a delegation from the French Senate posed for photos with thumbs-up gestures. 
However, one senator gave the thumbs down, shocking Taiwanese onlookers. He quickly explained that he had no malicious intentions and actually gave much support to Taiwan. During their visit to the Legislative UN on Thursday, the visiting Slovakian delegation performed a lively skit of a brawl attracting a wave of criticism. It was interpreted to mean that Taiwan's legislative punch-ups among politicians of various political stripes had become famous abroad, which was embarrassing for Taiwan. The members of the Slovakian delegation were very lively. We mentioned a previous clash in the legislature and the smashing of the portrait of our founding father Sun Yat-sen. The parliamentarians made funny gestures of being in a fight. They still admire Taiwan's freedom and democracy and the high proportion of female legislators. They think Taiwan is really advanced. DPP legislator Xu Zhijie, who was in charge of hosting the delegation, said he hoped that people from all walks of life wouldn't take offense. By contrast, the French Senate delegation, which was a guest of the legislature's defense and foreign affairs committees, was deemed by Taiwanese observers to exhibit French elegance. But even then, a delegation member still made a gaffe with the locals. Senator Vincent Ablay, who was excited to pose for media photos, suddenly made a thumbs-down motion, shocking Taiwanese onlookers. But he was quick to give an explanation. In fact, I wasn't thinking too much when I made that action, and I had no ill intentions. If I gave a bad impression, I hereby express my deep apologies to everyone. I would like to reiterate my strong support for Taiwan, and I am very proud of the Taiwan-French relationship. In fact, this is the third time for the French parliament to dispatch a delegation to Taiwan within a year. The deputy head of the parliament's Friends of Taiwan group, Joel Guerriot, also said that the group had chosen to visit Taiwan just after their presidential election to show the importance they attached to France-Taiwan relations. I invite all members in this delegation to stand up and pay tribute to Taiwan's attitude and determination to resist China. China has never given up the use of force against Taiwan. Taiwan can only stop a war by preparing for one. I've received wave after wave of friends from abroad. They have repeatedly affirmed Taiwan's bravery in self-defence and its correct approach in confronting a powerful and evil neighbour. Through these recent frequent visits and support from visiting European delegations, Premier Su Jen Chong has been able to reiterate to them Taiwan's determination to defend itself. The Aomori Nebuta Festival, held annually from August 2nd to 7th, is one of northeastern Japan's three largest festivals. It was cancelled two years in a row due to the pandemic, but this year it'll be back in full swing. Aomori this week held an event to choose the festival spokeswoman, and this year there was a special surprise. Taiwanese woman Wu Yongxing was chosen as the first foreigner in 49 years to fill the role. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I will continue to work hard to promote the Nebuta Festival, as well as tourism to Aomori. I'll do my best. This year, 45 women applied to become Miss Nebuta, 12 of whom were shortlisted. 
Along with her fluency in Mandarin, English and Japanese, the 25-year-old new Taipei native captured the organizers' hearts with her international outlook. Starting in August, she will be required to help with the promotion of the festival's events. Where do you normally think a cubicle would appear? Maybe in an office or a karaoke parlor? How about in a convenience store? With more and more Taiwanese people working from home, demand for office space is changing. One convenience store has started renting out individual office cubicles for small bucks. And remote workers say it's just what they need. A row of cubicles with bright lighting, single occupancy, two-person cubicles, and four-person rooms. These are the latest service provided in convenience stores. I think it's very special. How come there are these independent cubicles? I think it's cool. Working from home and studying from home have exploded in the pandemic. Now, this convenience store owner has spotted a new niche, a multifunctional cubicle space to hire. Business people and students come here for a private space with minimal contact with others. Even payment is zero contact. If convenience stores have cubicles like this, it makes it very convenient to deal with some work stuff from time to time. The convenience store has Wi-Fi, toilets, coffee and food. I think it's very convenient to get work done here. We have three main strategies, minimal contact, high privacy and socially distanced. We have individual cubicles and two to four person cubicles. They can be used to work or to have small meetings. Public office spaces aren't a new idea. Co-working spaces like this one have blossomed in recent years. Such spaces offer office amenities like printers, whiteboards, meeting rooms and kitchenettes, making spontaneous work sessions simple. Amid the pandemic, more and more companies are needing to restructure or cut departments. It's exploded here since the pandemic began. People are gradually entering a co-working phase. We've noticed that demand for shared offices is increasing. The pandemic has altered our lifestyles and our working habits profoundly. Our new relationship with space, the need to be around other people or apart from them, and our desire for flexibility are all feeding into trends like the cubicle for hire.